Welcome to Bandcamp. My name's Dan. And I'm Jennifer. And this is the podcast where we read banned books to try to find out why in the heck they were banned in the first place. And this season, we are reading The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton, and there will absolutely be spoilers ahead because we're literally reading the book out loud. So to avoid spoilers, you may want to head over to Season 3, Episode 1 of Bandcamp and catch up. Previously on Bandcamp. In the last episode, the boys face dark realities from Johnny's bleak hospital room to the anticipation of a rumble that could shake their greaser world to the core, Jennifer, to the core. What happens next, you're about to find out, but before we dive into today's chapter, we invite you to join the discussion on Instagram. Please follow us at bandcamp underscore podcast, and we will put the direct link in our show notes. And with that being said, let's begin. Chapter 9. It was almost 6.30 when I got home. The rumble was set for 7, so I was late for supper as usual. Derry had cooked dinner, baked chicken and potatoes and corn. Two chickens because all three of us eat like horses, especially Derry. But although I love baked chicken, I could hardly swallow any. I swallowed five aspirins, though. Oh, here he goes again with the aspirin. What is going on something with this? the matter with him, though? Maybe he's got like a, what's it called? Aneurysm. Concussion? Concussion. Mm. I swallowed five aspirins, though, when dairy and soda weren't looking. I do that all the time because I can't sleep very well at night. Oh, does aspirin help with sleeping good? No. There was a time, I think, when people would just take aspirin for any reason. Yeah, it was like cheaper than going to a doctor. Yeah. Take two aspirins and call me in the morning. That's where that famous stupid saying came. Hmm. Anyways, no one takes aspirin anymore. It's all taken over by Tylenol and ibuprofen. Yeah, big ibuprofen, Jennifer. That's what's wrong with this world. <laughs> Derry thinks I take just one, but I usually take four. I figured five would keep me going through the rumble and maybe get rid of my headache. Then I hurried to take a shower and change clothes. Me and Soda and Derry always got spruced up before a rumble. And besides, we wanted to show those socias we weren't trash, that we were just as good as they were. Soda laughed and went right on playing poker with Steve in the living room. Derry had on a tight black t-shirt that showed every muscle on his chest and even the flat hard muscles of his stomach. I'd hate to be the soch who takes a crack at him, I thought as I pulled on a clean t-shirt and a fresh pair of jeans. See, Dan? Okay, all right. Getting spruced up for the big rumble. I wished my t-shirt was tighter. I have a pretty good build for my size, but I had lost a lot of weight in Windricksville, and it just didn't fit right. It was a chilly night, and t-shirts weren't the warmest clothes in the world. But nobody ever gets cold in a rumble. And besides, jackets interfere with your swinging ability. Soda and Steve and I had put on more hair oil than was necessary, but we wanted to show that we were greasers. Okay, got it. I think they know. The purpose of doing that is if one of these socias gets them in a headlock, they just pop out like a loose <laughs> bar of soap. Soda pop. Tonight, we could be proud of it. Greasers may not have much, but they have a rep. And that and long hair. What kind of world is it where all I have to be proud of is a reputation for being a hood and greasy hair? I don't want to be a hood, but even if I don't steal things and mug people and get boozed up, I'm marked lousy. Why should I be proud of it? Why should I even pretend to be proud of it? Derry never went in for the long hair. He was short and clean all the time. 
I sat in the armchair in the living room, waiting for the rest of the outfit to show up. But of course, tonight the only one coming would be 2-Bit. Johnny and Dallas wouldn't show. Dallas is breaking out of the hospital, right? Oh, you're right. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. I bet he'll show. Soda and Steve were playing cards and arguing as usual. Soda was keeping up a steady stream of wisecracks and clowning, and Steve had turned up the radio so loud that it almost broke my eardrums. Of course, everybody listens to it loud like that, but it wasn't just the best thing for a headache. You like fights, don't you, Soda? I asked suddenly. Yeah, sure, he shrugged. I like fights. How come? I don't know, he looked at me puzzled. It's action. It's a contest, like a drag race or a dance or something. Well, except you can really die in one of these. I guess you could yeah. die in a drag race. Shoot, said Steve, I want to beat those Sosha's head in. When I get in a fight, I want to stomp the other guy good. I like it, too. How come you like fights, Derry? I asked, looking up at him as he stood behind me, leaning in the doorway. He gave me one of those looks that hide what he's thinking, but Soda Pop piped up. He likes to show off his muscles. I'm going to show them off on you, little buddy, if you get any mouthier. I digested what Soda had said. It was the truth. Derry liked anything that took strength, like weightlifting or playing football or roofing houses, even if he was proud of being smart, too. Derry never said anything about it, but I knew he liked fights. I felt out of things. I'll fight anyone anytime, but I don't like to. I don't know if you ought to be in this rumble, pony, Derry said slowly. Oh, no, I thought in mortal fear. I've got to be in it. Right then, the most important thing in my life was helping us whip the socias. Don't let him make me stay home now. I've got to be in it. Man, why don't you listen to your new friend, Randy? Didn't Randy make an excellent point? Oh, that's about right. It means Randy's nothing. Randy's not going to be there. Yeah. The fight literally means nothing. If you win, you're still a greaser, and they're going to get all the breaks. If you lose, you're still a greaser. Yeah, bandages on your head. And they still get all the breaks. Yeah. How come? I've always come through before, ain't I? Yeah, Derry said with a proud grin. You fight real good for a kid your size. But you were in shape before. You've lost weight and you don't look so great, kid. You're tensed up too much. Shoot, said Soda, trying to get the ace out of his shoe without Steve seeing him. We all get tensed up before a rumble. Let him fight tonight. Skin never hurt anyone. No weapons, no danger. That sounds for foreboding. I bet there will be weapons. I'll be okay, I pleaded. I'll get a hold of a little one, okay? A little one what? A little sosh. Well, Johnny won't be there this time. Johnny and I sometimes ganged up on one big guy. But then, Curly Shepherd wouldn't be there either. Or Dally. And we'll need every man we can get. What happened to Shepherd, I asked, remembering Tim Shepherd's kid brother. Curly, who was a tough, cool, hard-as-nails Tim in miniature, and I had once played chicken by holding our cigarette ends against each other's fingers. We had stood there, clenching our teeth and grimacing, with sweat pouring down our faces, and the smell of burning flesh making us sick. Why are they doing this? <laughs> you Each dummy. of us refusing to holler until Tim happened to stroll by. When he saw that we were really burning holes in each other, he cracked our heads together, swearing to kill us both if we ever pulled a stunt like that again. I mean, yeah, that's stupid. Yeah. Hmm. Not too smart, dummies. I still have the scar on my forefinger. Curly was an average downtown hood, tough and not real bright, but I liked him. He could take anything. He's in the cooler, Steve said, kicking the ace out of a soda shoe. In the reformatory. Oh, so he can't be there because he's in... In the slammer? 
in the slammer. That's it. That is poor planning on Curly Shepherd's part. Yeah. Again, I thought and said, let me fight, Derry. If it was blades or chains or something, it'd be different. Nobody ever really gets hurt in a skin rumble. See, again, it's foreshadowing. Someone's going to bring a gun, aren't they? Yeah. Well, Derry gave in. I guess you can, but be careful. And if you get in a jam, holler and I'll get you out. I'll be okay, I said wearily. How come you never worry about soda pop as much? I don't see you lecturing him. Man, Derry grinned and put his arm across Soda's shoulders. This is one kid brother I don't have to worry about. Soda punched him in the ribs affectionately. This kiddo can use his head. Soda Pop looked down at me with mock superiority, but Derry went on. You can see he uses it for one thing, to grow hair on. Ha ha ha. No, I put that in. He ducked Soda's swing and took off for the door. Two-Bit stuck his head in the door just as Derry went flying out of it. Leaping as he went off the steps, Derry turned a somersault in midair, hit the ground, and bounced up before Soda could catch him? He did like an aerial? Like he gymnastics over there? It is is all of a sudden a cartoon? What happened? (laughs) Yeah, he did a somersault in midair? You know what that is, right? Head over heels. I know what it is. I I have (laughs) ears and a head. (laughs) Well up. Two-Bit said cheerfully, cocking an eyebrow. I see we are in prime condition for a rumble. Is everybody happy? Yeah, screamed Soda Pop as he too did a flying somersault off the steps. What is up with these kids? What is going on? He flipped up to walk on his hands and then did a no-hands cartwheel across the yard to beat Derry's performance. Well, they could just do all kinds of martial arts out there. This is like a clown show all of a sudden. (laughs) Like a circus. This is like Cirque du Soleil. Yeah, but think about how great that would be in a fight. They should totally use this. Why aren't they using this? Parkour! Parkour. That's right. Parkour! 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 The excitement was catching. Screeching like an Indian, Steve went running across the lawn in flying leaps, stopped suddenly, and flipped backward. Flipped backward?! What is go- what book? Okay, what book are we reading? Did you pick up the wrong know. book? We could all do acrobatics because Derry had taken a course at the Y and then spent a whole summer teaching us everything he'd learned on the grounds that it might come in handy in a fight. I knew it. I told you. See, again, I know we're not supposed to do this, but Derry, of course, was played by Patrick Swayze in the movie, and now I keep thinking of Patrick Swayze holding Jennifer Grey up in Dirty Dancing. And like- Is he going to hold that pony boy? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody puts pony in a corner. Nobody. Okay, so it might come in handy in a fight. It did, but it also got Tubit and Soda jailed once. They were doing midair flips down a downtown sidewalk, walking on their hands and otherwise disturbing the public and the police. Leave it to those two to pull something like that. You could get arrested for that? They said they were jailed for it. Think how annoying that would be. <laughs> See, I don't like it when kids go by on skateboards when I'm trying to walk. I sure as hell am not going to want tumbling greasers to fly by me. True. Good point. With a happy whoop, I did a no-hands cartwheel off the porch steps, hit the ground, and rolled to my feet. Two-Bit followed me in a similar manner. Well, it seems like you could have been doing some of these flip-flops when you were getting your head pushed under in the fountain. Why is this the first we're hearing of your uh, uh, tumbling? I, I know. We're quite deep into the book to start hearing about it. Yeah. 
I'm a greaser, Soda Pop chanted. I'm a JD and a hood. I blacken the name of our fair city. I beat up people. I rob gas stations. I am a menace to society. Man, do I have fun. Oh, man, what? These are the delinquents that Ray Bradbury was warning us about. They, they really are. Greaser, 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 Steve sing-songed. Oh, victim of environment. Underprivileged, rotten, no count hood. Did you just accidentally pick up the musical version of the? Like it seems like this. <laughs> it sure is seems like... like it. A dance number. <laughs> Steve sing songed. Oh, victim of environment, underprivileged, rotten, no count hood. <laughs> the hell is going on all of a sudden? It's like a different book. Juvenile delinquent. You're no good, Derry shouted. Get thee hence, white trash it is. It's like, get thee hence, white trash, two-bit said in a snobbish voice. I am a soch. I am the privileged and the well-dressed. I throw beer blasts, drive fancy cars, break windows at fancy parties. And what do you do for fun? I inquired in a serious, odd voice. I jump greasers, two-bit screamed and did a cartwheel. <laughs> So now two-bit can do cartwheels. What the hell is going on here? We settled down as we walked to the lot. Two-bit was the only one wearing a jacket. He had a couple of cans of beer stuffed in it. He always gets high before a rumble. Before anything else, too, come to think of it. I shook my head. I'd hate to see the day when I had to get my nerve from a can. I tried drinking once before. The stuff tasted awful. I got sick, had a headache, and when Derry found out, he grounded me for two weeks. But that was the last time I'd ever drink. I'd seen too much of what drinking did for you at Johnny's house. Hey, two-bit, I said, deciding to complete my survey. How come you like to fight? He looked at me as if I was off my nut. Shoot, everybody fights. If everybody jumped in the Arkansas River, old two-bit would be right on their heels. I had it then. Soda fought for fun. Steve for hatred. Dairy for pride and two bitch for conformity. Why do I fight? I thought and couldn't think of any real good reason. There isn't any real good reason for fighting except self-defense. Okay, so then why is he doing it? Right, because if you don't show up, you don't have to defend yourself. Listen, Soda, you and Pony Boy, Derry said as we strode down the street. If the fuzz show, you two beat it out of there. The rest of us can only get jailed. You two can get sent to a boy's home. Well, if he knows that's a risk. Why is he taking that risk? Right. Why is... Yeah, exactly. Nobody in this neighborhood's going to call the fuzz, Steve said grimly. They know what happened if they did. All the same, you two blow at the first sign of trouble. You hear me? You sure don't need an amplifier, Soda said, and stuck out his tongue at the back of Derry's head. I stifled a giggle. If you want to see something funny, it's a tough hood sticking his tongue out at his big brother. Tim Shepard and company were already waiting when we arrived at the vacant lot along with a gang from Brumley, one of the suburbs. Tim was a lean, cat-like 18-year-old who looked like the model JD you see in movies and magazines. He had the right curly black hair, smoldering dark eyes, and a long scar from temple to chin where a tramp had belted him with a broken pop bottle. Jeez. Tramp. He had a tough, hard look to him, and his nose had been broken twice. Like Dally's, his smile was grim and bitter. He was one of those who enjoyed being a hood. The rest of his bunch were the same way. The boys from Brumley, too. Young hoods who would grow up to be old hoods. I never thought about it before, but they'd just get worse as they got older, not better. I looked at Derry. He wasn't going to be any hood when he got old. He was going to get somewhere. Living the way we do would only make him more determined to get somewhere. 
That's why he's better than the rest of us, I thought. He's going somewhere, and I was going to be like him. I wasn't going to live in a lousy neighborhood all my life. If he's already thinking like that, why doesn't he stop? He needs to detach from this whole greaser culture. Right. And knowing that he now he's got his buddy Randy, who is probably now moved up now that Bob's dead. Maybe he's the king of the socias. But if, if I could A-B my life and then a socia's life, mm-hmm. I'd be like, I want to start modeling the socias a little more. Right? Like, they want to be better I'm not saying the socials are all that either, but, you know, baby steps. Yeah. Or they just want to be different. They, you know. Tim had the tense, hungry look of an alley cat. That's what he's always reminded me of, an alley cat. And he was constantly restless. If they break into Mr. Mistopheles or some other song from Cats, I am not going to like it. (laughs) His boys ranged from 15 to 19, hard-looking characters who were used to the strict discipline Tim gave out. That was the difference between his gang and ours. They had a leader and were organized. We were just buddies who stuck together. Each man was his own leader. Maybe that was why we could whip them. Tim and the leader of the Brumley outfit moved forward to shake hands with each of us, proving that our gangs were on the same side in this fight. Although most of the guys in those two outfits weren't exactly what I'd like to call my friends. When Tim got to me, he studied me maybe remembering how his kid brother and I had played chicken. You and that quiet, black-headed kid were the ones who killed the Soch. Yeah, I said, pretending to be proud of it. Then I thought of Cherry and Randy and got a sick feeling in my stomach. Good going, kid. Curly always said you were a good kid. Curly's in the reformatory for the next six months. Tim grinned ruefully, probably thinking of his roughneck, hard-headed brother. He got caught breaking into a liquor store, the little... He went on to call Curly every unprintable name under the sun. In Tim's way of thinking, terms of affection. See, that just doesn't sound good. Hmm. Yeah, I hope Pony Boy, maybe he'll just back out of this. Yeah. I surveyed the scene with pride. I was the youngest one there. Even Curly, if he had been there, had turned 15, so he was older than me. I could tell Derry realized this too, and although he was proud, I also knew he was worried. Shoot, I thought. I'll fight so good this time he won't ever have to worry about me again. I'll show him that someone besides Soda Pop can use his head. One of the Brumley guys waved me over. We mostly stuck with our own outfits, so I was a little leery of going over to him, but I shrugged. He asked to borrow a weed, then lit up. That big guy with y'all, you know him pretty well? I ought to, he's my brother, I said. I couldn't honestly say yes. I knew Derry as well as he knew me. And that isn't saying a whole lot. No kidding. I got a feeling he's going to be asked to start the fireworks around here. He a pretty good bopper? (laughs) Hello, baby. Is that what that word means, bopper? Yeah, this is the big bopper speaking. Like Like, uh, someone who hits people on the head, like bop, bop. I I didn't know that's what that meant. Okay. He meant rumbler. Those Brumley boys have weird vocabularies. I doubt if half of them can read a newspaper or spell much more than their names. And it comes out in their speech. I mean, you take a guy that calls the rumble bop action and you can tell he isn't real educated. Yep, I said, but why him? He shrugged. Why anyone else? I looked our outfits over. Most greasers don't have real tough builds or anything. They're mostly lean and kind of panther-looking in a slouchy way. (laughs) That might be my favorite sentence of this whole chapter. (laughs) This is partly because they don't eat much and partly because they're slouchy. Derry looked like he could whip anyone there, 
I think most of the guys were nervous because of the, quote, no weapons rule. I didn't know about the Brumley boys, but I knew Shepherd's gang were used to fighting with anything they could get their hands on. Bicycle chains, blades, pop bottles, pieces of pipe, pool sticks, or sometimes even heaters. Oh, damn. Heaters. There's got Waiting to be for something a better to use you can do. Now, there's the handy heater, the whole room space <laughs> heater that plugs right into the wall. Again, they mean guns, Jennifer, not portable heaters. I mean guns. I have a kind of lousy vocabulary, too, even if I'm educated. Our gang never went in for weapons. We're just not that rough. The only weapons we ever used were knives, and shoot, we carried them mostly just for looks like Two-Bit with his black-handled switch. None of us had ever really hurt anybody, or wanted to, just Johnny, and he hadn't wanted to. Hey, Curtis, Tim yelled. I jumped. Which one? I heard Soda yell back. The big one. Come on over here. The guy from Brumley looked at me. What did I tell ya? I watched Derry going toward Tim and the leader of the Brumley boys. He shouldn't be here, I thought suddenly. I shouldn't be here, and Steve shouldn't be here, and Soda shouldn't be here, and Two-Bit shouldn't be here. We're greasers, but not hoods, and we don't belong with this bunch of future convicts. We could end up like them, I thought. We could, and the thought didn't help my headache. I went back to stand with Soda and Steve and Tubit then, because the Soshas were arriving, right on time. They came in four carloads and filed out silently. I counted 22 of them. There were 20 of us, so I figured the odds were as even as we could get them. Derry always liked to take on two at a time anyway. They looked like they were all cut from the same piece of cloth, clean-shaven with semi-beetle haircuts like beetles like the band, mm. wearing striped or checkered shirts with light red or tan-colored jackets or madras ski jackets. They could just as easily have been going to the movies as to a rumble. That's why people don't ever think to blame the Soshas and are always ready to jump on us. We look hoodie and they look decent. It could be just the other way around. Half of the hoods I know are pretty decent guys underneath all that grease. And from what I've learned, a lot of socias are just cold-blooded mean, but people usually go by looks. They lined up silently facing us, and we lined up facing them. I looked for Randy, but didn't see him. I hoped he wasn't there. A guy with a madras shirt stepped up. Let's get the rule straight. Nothing but our fists, and the first to run lose, right? Tim flipped away his beer can. You savvy real good. There was an uneasy silence. Who was going to start it? Derry solved the problem. He stepped forward under the circle of light made by the street lamp. For a minute, everything looked unreal, like a scene out of a JD movie or something. Then Derry said, I'll take on anyone. He stood there, tall, broad-shouldered, his muscles taut under his t-shirt, and his eyes glittering like ice. For a second, it looked like there wasn't anyone brave enough to take him on. Then there was a slight stir in the faceless mob of Soshas, and a husky blonde guy stepped forward. He looked at Derry and said quietly, Hello, Daryl. <laughs> Hello, Nelman. <laughs> Something flickered behind Derry's eyes, and then they were ice again. Hello, Paul. I heard Soda give out a kind of squeak, and I realized that the blonde was Paul Holden. He had been the best halfback on Derry's football team at high school, and he and Derry used to buddy it around all the time. He must be a junior in college by now, I thought. He was looking at Derry with an expression I couldn't quite place, but disliked. Contempt? Pity? Hate? All three? Why? 
because Jerry was standing there representing all of us, and maybe Paul felt only contempt and pity and hate for greasers? Jerry hadn't moved a muscle or changed expression, but you could see he hated Paul now. It wasn't only jealousy. Jerry had a right to be jealous. He was ashamed to be on our side, ashamed to be seen with the Brumley boys, Shepherd's gang, maybe even us. Nobody realized it but me and Soda. It didn't matter to anyone but me and Soda. That's stupid, I thought, swiftly. They've both come here to fight, and they're both supposed to be smarter than that. What difference does the side make? Well, that's a thought. Mm. Then Paul said, I'll take you, and something like a smile crossed Derry's face. I knew Derry had thought he could take Paul any time, but this was two or three years ago. What if Paul was better now? I swallowed. Neither one of my brothers had ever been beaten in a fight, but I wasn't exactly itching for someone to break the record. They moved in a circle under the light, counterclockwise, eyeing each other, sizing each other up, maybe remembering old faults and wondering if they were still there. The rest of us waited with mounting tension. I was reminded of Jack London's books, you know, where the wolf pack waits in silence for one of two members to go down in a fight. But it was different here. The moment either one swung a punch, the rumble would be on. See, like, this is the moment when things don't have to go this way. Yeah, like, why don't they just talk about their old football days or something? The silence grew heavier, and I could hear the harsh, heavy breathing of the boys around me. Still, Derry and the Soch walked slowly in a circle. Even if I could feel their hatred. They used to be buddies, I thought. They used to be friends, and now they hate each other because one has to work for a living, and the other comes from the west side. They shouldn't hate each other. I don't hate the Soches anymore. They shouldn't hate. Hold up, a familiar voice yelled. Hold it. Derry turned to see who it was, and Paul swung. A Why? Now that's a jerk move. That is a Soch move. A hard right to the jaw that would have felled anyone but Derry. The rumble was on. Dallas Winston ran to join us. Here he comes. Here it comes, Dally, right out of the hospital, wearing a leather jacket and his ass hanging out the back of the <laughs> hospital dress that he's still wearing. And he's got those rubber socks on. <laughs> got an IV in one hand, and he's got that black switchblade in the other. Let me at him. Let me at him. I couldn't find Soch my size, so I took the next best size and jumped on him. Dallas was right beside me, already on top of someone. I thought you were in the hospital, I yelled as the Soch knocked me to the ground, and I rolled to avoid getting kicked. I was. Dally was having a hard time because his left arm was still in bad shape. I ain't now. How? I managed to ask as the Soch I was fighting leaped on me and rolled near Dally. Talked the nurse into it with two-bit switch. Wait, he threatened a nurse? Jesus. This God, Dally, you dick. Don't you know a rumble ain't a rumble unless I'm in it? I couldn't answer because the Soch, who was heavier than I took him for, had me pinned and was slugging the sense out of me. I thought dizzily that he was going to knock some of my teeth loose or break my nose or something. And I knew I didn't have a chance. But Derry was keeping an eye out for me. He caught that guy by the shoulder and half-lifted him up before knocking him three feet with a sledgehammer blow. I decided it would be fair for me to help Dally since he could use only one arm. They were slugging it out, but Dallas was getting the worst of it, so I jumped on the Sosha's back, pulling his hair and pounding him. He reached back and caught me by the neck and threw me over his head to the ground. Tim Shepard, who was fighting two at once, accidentally stepped on me, knocking my breath out. 
While he was prying my fingers loose, Dally knocked him backwards so that all three of us rolled on the ground, gasping, cussing, and punching. Somebody kicked me hard in the ribs, and I yelped in spite of myself. Some soch had knocked out one of our bunch and was kicking me as hard as he could, but I had both arms wrapped around the other Sosha's neck and refused to let go. See, this just doesn't sound like a good idea. No. I would never do this. I mean, There's I'm I'm no... not in their position socially, but I just, oh, God, kicking somebody? Oh, God. Oh. I could see you jumping on somebody's back, though, and, like, squeezing their neck. I mean, that's yeah, all you could do, though. I mean, that's what I do, too. I got some heft on me. I'd hurt a guy if I jumped on his back and just squeezed his <laughs> neck. You're going down. <laughs> Dally was slugging him, and I hung on desperately, although that other Soch was kicking me, and you'd better believe it hurt. Finally, he kicked me in the head so hard it stunned me. And I lay limp, trying to clear my mind and keep from blacking out. I could hear the racket, but only dimly through the buzzing in my ears. Numerous bruises along my back and on my face were throbbing, but I felt detached from the pain as if it wasn't really me feeling it. They're running, I heard a voice yell joyfully. Look at that dirty blank run. Seemed to me that the voice belonged to Tubit, but I couldn't be sure. I tried to sit up and saw that the Soshas were getting into their cars and leaving. Tim Shepard was swearing blue and green because his nose was broken again, and the leader of the Brumley boys was working over one of his own men because he had broken the rules and used a piece of pipe in the fighting. Steve lay doubled up and groaning about ten feet from me. We found out later he had three broken ribs. Soda Pop was beside him, talking in a low, steady voice. I did a double take when I saw Two-Bit. Blood was streaming down one side of his face, and one hand was busted wide open but he was grinning happily because the Soshas were running. I guess that's his reward. <laughs> Good job. Good job, buddy. We won, Derry announced in a tired voice. He was going to have a black eye, and there was a cut across his forehead. We beat the Soshas. Dally stood beside me quietly for a minute, trying to grasp the fact that we had really beaten the Soshas. Then, grabbing my shirt, he hauled me to my feet. Come on, he half-dragged me down the street, we're going to see Johnny. I tried to run but stumbled, and Dally impatiently shoved me along. Hurry! He was getting worse when I left. He wants to see you. I don't know how Dallas could travel so fast and hard after being knocked around and having his sore arm hurt some more, but I tried to keep up with him. Track wasn't ever like the running I did that night. I was still dizzy and had only a dim realization of where I was going and why. Dally had Buck Merrill's T-Bird parked in front of our house, and we hopped into it. I sat tight as Dally roared the car down the street. We were on 10th when a siren came on behind us, and I saw the reflection of the red light flashing in the windshield. Look sick, Dally commanded. I'll say I'm taking you to the hospital, which will be true enough. I leaned against the cold glass of the window and tried to look sick, which wasn't too hard, feeling the way I did right then. The policeman looked disgusted. All right, buddy, where's the fire? The kid, Dally jerked a thumb toward me. He fell over on his motorcycle and I'm taking him to the hospital. I groaned and it wasn't all fake out. I guess I looked pretty bad too, being cut and bruised like I was. The fuzz changed his tone. Is he real bad? Do you need an escort? How would I know if he's bad or not? I ain't no doc. Yeah, we could use an escort. And as the policeman got back into his car, I heard Dally hiss, sucker. With the siren ahead of us, we made record time getting to the hospital. All the way there, Dally kept talking and talking about something. 
but I was too dizzy to make most of it out. I was crazy, you know that kid? Crazy for wanting Johnny to stay out of trouble, for not wanting him to get hard. If he'd been like me, he'd never have been in this mess. If he'd got smart like me, he'd never have run into that church. That's what you get for helping people. Editorials in the paper and a lot of trouble. You'd better wise up, Pony. You get tough like me and you don't get hurt. You look out for yourself and nothing can touch you. Boy, that's terrible advice. Yeah. <laughs> he said a lot more stuff, but I didn't get it all. I had a stupid feeling that Dally was out of his mind, the way he kept raving on and on, because Dallas never talked like that. But I think now I would have understood if I hadn't been sick at the time. The cop left us at the hospital as Dally pretended to help me out of the car. The minute the cop was gone, Dally let go of me so quick I almost fell. Hurry! Did you think, remember in the last episode when Pony thought, this is great, man. Dally and I are true friends because he... He didn't kill me. Yeah. Yeah. Dally, man, another great chapter for him being my friend. He was pretending to help me out of the car because I was beat up so bad I could barely move. Of course, and he dropped me and I fell to the ground and he <laughs> ran into the hospital without me. But good guy, good friend. We ran through the lobby and crowded past people into the elevator. Several people yelled at us, I think because we were pretty racked up looking. But Dally had nothing on his mind except Johnny, and I was too mixed up to know anything but that I had to follow Dally. When we finally got to Johnny's room, the doctor stopped us. I'm sorry, boys, but he's dying. Oh no, Johnny's dying? I don't want Johnny to die. I know. He really grew on me. I know. We gotta see him, Dally said, and flicked out two-bit switchblade. His voice was shaking. We're gonna see him, and if you give me any static, you'll end up on your own operating table. Do you ever hear of catching more flies with sugar? Dally, <laughs> no do you way. have to attack everyone and everything in your way? God. <laughs> the doctor didn't bat an eye. You can see him, but it's because you're his friends, not because of that knife. Dally looked at him for a second, then put the knife back in his pocket. We both went into Johnny's room, standing there for a second, getting our breath back in heavy gulps. It was awful quiet. It was scary quiet. I looked at Johnny. He was very still, and for a moment I thought in agony. He's dead already. We're too late. Dally swallowed, wiping the sweat off his upper lip. Johnny cake, he said in a hoarse voice. Johnny? Johnny stirred weakly, then opened his eyes. Hey, he managed softly. We won, Dally panted. We beat the Soshas. We stomped them, chased them out of our territory. Johnny didn't even try to grin at him. Useless. Fighting's no good. He was awful white. Dally licked his lips nervously. They're still writing editorials about you in the paper for being a hero and all. He was talking too fast and too calmly. Yeah, they're calling you a hero now. We're all proud of you, buddy. Johnny's eyes glowed. Dally was proud of him. That was all Johnny had ever wanted. Pony boy. I barely heard him. I came closer and leaned over to hear what he was going to say. Stay gold, pony boy, stay gold. The pillow seemed to sink a little. And Johnny died. You read about people looking peacefully asleep when they're dead, but they don't. Johnny just looked dead, like a candle with the flame gone. I tried to say something, but I couldn't make a sound. Dally swallowed and reached over to push Johnny's hair back. Never could keep that hair back. 
That's what you get for trying to help people, you little punk. That's what you get. Whirling suddenly, he slammed back against the wall. His face contracted in agony and sweat streamed down his face. Damn it, Johnny, he begged, slamming one fist against the wall, hammering it to make it obey as well. Oh, damn it, Johnny, don't die, please don't die. He suddenly bolted through the door and down the hall. End of chapter. It's time for PPP, Problematic Points to Ponder. What, if anything, would be considered banworthy in this chapter? As far as PPP goes, um, it is weird to paint this gang as heroes during that little uh, musical number that was going on with Soda, I'm a JD, a you know, all that whole song and dance literally yeah. were there like going back and forth about how awesome it is to be jerks. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I don't know. Again, I don't know if that's band worthy, but it does suck. I mean, they're not great role models. On the other hand, I don't know. If, I mean, how much of that is just pumping themselves up for this big fight, for this big bop action? I hope they listen to Johnny. That's all I'm going to say. Well, of course. Yeah, he had two dying thoughts. Fighting ain't good. Fighting is useless. And then stay gold. He'll, he'll go out a hero. Agreed. One of the reasons they say this book was banned because... I mean, there's plenty of little reasons, um, but one of them was violence. And so far, the two times there were violence in this book, they were both very subdued and almost like in a dreamlike... Well, I guess it makes sense because they're coming from Pony Boy's experience. And the mm -hmm. first time, violence, when at the fountain, he passed out. So he missed all the violence. Right, right. It wasn't... It, nothing happened, really. He woke right. up I and... mean. It was implied, obviously, there's a dead kid sitting next to him, so he knows violence happened. But again, a yeah. very mature way for S.C. Hinton to write about it without hitting people over the head. Yeah, there right? wasn't a bunch of blood and gore. It wasn't very descriptive. Even this big rumble here, it's the same mm -hmm. thing. Like, he got hit really yeah. ha hard in the head, and his ears were ringing, and he was out of it, kind of, what's going on, what's going on? And he came to as the socials were running. Agreed. So, so I mean... Violence happens. This is a story about two rival gangs fighting. How else should she have told her story? I mean, what, what do people want? The only thing in that chapter would be the violence that you're talking about. And like you said, it's not it's not worthy of... Like, it yeah. wasn't horrible. And Dal is, a lot of violence with... Dally is just a violent character. Threatening the nurse with the knife. Then threatening the yeah. doctor with a not knife. Cool. I mean, it's just not, not cool. a good guy. Yeah. But nothing again. Sorry. Sorry, moms for liberty. Not this time. Sorry, gals. <laughs> Sorry, gals. <laughs> from bandworthy to bingeworthy. And we go from nothing bandworthy to something, two things bingeworthy. One of them, we welcome you to dive into the worst bestsellers with Kate and Renata and special guests. Dan and Jennifer, this week we were on the worst bestsellers to talk about Harper Lee's Go Set a Watchman. Go check it out. It was a lively, long discussion about the sequel slash and or prequel or some version of Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird. And we talked about it for a long time. That is called The Worst Bestsellers, and you can find them wherever you find podcasts. And secondly, this is a really creative podcast called The Gun in My Hand. It's a creative comedy podcast, and it, it reminds me of the classic old radio dramas. Oh, fun. 
What do we do with them? Let's feed them through the pneumatic press that stamps the skee-ball tickets. That sounds horrible. That's the idea. It sounds like some Nazi crap. You won't be feeding me into anything. Yeah, what makes you so sure? This gun in my hand. Where the hell did that come from? Weren't you holding him? I'm holding him. We're both holding him. We are? If you don't want to hold some lead, you can let go. How did you do that? I'm asking the questions now. Who put you up to this? Who got you access to the printing press? Why counterfeit skee-ball tickets? Why not print fake money? Ah, every time I gotta explain it. You people just don't have vision. This gun in my hand. Available wherever you get your podcasts. All right. We've caused enough literary chaos for today. Thank you for listening, scary book people. You can find us on Instagram at Bandcamp underscore podcast, where you can connect with fellow scary book people, join in the polls and discussions, and you can vent about the evils of book banning. And we really do hope you join our community. We'd love to see you there and engage with you. Bandcamp is produced and hosted by Dan Schultz and me, Jennifer Davis. All media used in this production was done so under the protection of fair use. Thanks for being here, you guys. See you next time. 